0: Hi, dear listener, Sarah Hämmer speaking. Welcome to the Learning Day, a journey to explore how we can integrate learning in our everyday lives. Last year, I had the opportunity to collaborate with charities working with people experiencing homelessness. During the first workshop, One of the charity workers shared something like this. We need to keep in mind that most people we work with won't ask for help or raise their hand to ask a question during a learning session. They've lost their confidence throughout the years. They saw a clear connection between confidence and the ability to learn. That got me thinking about how even people who are in a much less vulnerable situation also depend on having confidence to learn. How much does having confidence to raise your hand to ask a question, or going to that event, or approaching that person who has your dream skill set, or even our perception of ourselves, play in our ability to learn? And as the effect of the lack of confidence became more clear to me, I wondered, how can we learn to be more confident? If you ever wondered the same, this episode is for you. Today's guest is Lauren Curry. Lauren is on a mission to democratize leadership and to change the face of confidence. In our conversation, we talked about learning to be confident and being confident to learn. We talked about what confidence is and the conditions that contribute to having it, its connections to learning, how to improve one's confidence, and specific strategies you can employ to make the learning journey less scary. Hope you enjoy our chat.
1: Hi Lauren, how are you? Hi Sarah, I'm good, thank you. So lovely to be
0: here. Very happy that we made this work and that we finally are having our chat about confidence. I just revealed the topic of the the podcast, but (laughs) I'm too excited about it. Um, So I know you've recently traveled from Sweden from your recent new challenge. How's that going?
1: Yeah, so I probably am going to Sweden every couple of weeks at the moment. I've joined a tech startup over there. Well, actually, we're we're global. So we've got presence in London and New York and Stockholm and Malmo. But the core of our team is in Stockholm. And I also am secretly in love with Stockholm. So I am spending a bunch of time there to raise capital for our business, which is called Stride. And Stride is all about democratizing leadership development. So we're building a personal companion that lives in your pocket, in your phone, to guide you to become the best leader you can possibly be.
0: I've been to Stockholm once for a day. Uh, it was a very short visit. And I, I have really good memories mm-hmm. uh, from Stockholm. Like all a lot of water. I remember the water and remember... Just feeling really good there, so I understand why you're in love with it yeah. <laughs> Lauren. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do you've already started there, but I know there's more there's more to you than than what you've started revealing yeah,
1: of course, so my name's Lauren, and so i'm a designer that's my my background, and for the last ten years i've been using design to Build businesses and ventures and campaigns that are tackling problems that matter. So, right now, as we talked about, I'm the CEO of a tech startup called Stride, and we're all about democratizing leadership development. I'm also the founder of Upfront, I guess, which is going to be a big part of our conversation today because Upfront is all about changing confidence, public speaking, and visibility and i've set front i set up front up i think 4 years ago now uh, i live in west sussex in england which is in between london and brighton with my partner and my baby boy who just turned 2 last week
0: oh happy birthday i know
1: <laughs> thank you and i sit on the board of two organisations one is the design council which is a 75 year old organisation which exists to champion design in the uk And the other is Pregnant Then Screwed, which is a maternity discrimination charity. Uh, Both topics that are super close to my heart.
0: Wonderful. And how do you find time to sleep? Uh,
1: To be honest, I don't sleep very much. Uh, My (laughs) two-year-old doesn't enjoy sleeping. Uh, So sleeping is a thing of the past, to be fair. But my partner is a full-time stay-at-home dad which is the main reason that I can go to work every day the way that I do and travel with work sometimes. But I try really hard not to work evenings and weekends so that I can rest and switch off and be with
0: my family. It's good to hear um, someone that has so many occupations saying that. Sometimes it feels like we need to be always on, and that's not true. Definitely. Um, Even yesterday I spent a lot of hours, (laughs) more hours than I want to disclose, Uh, watching Netflix but I was really tired and I needed that and a part of me was feeling guilty for for doing that but um, yeah it was good because today I woke up feeling refreshed.
1: Yeah I think it's so important like we grow up being told that the you, you know that you get success in quotation marks whatever that means by working hard but in reality you get that by sleeping by eating healthily by looking after yourself by working hard by spending time with people you love you know there's lots more things in the pie and I think I'm very fortunate that a lot of the things I spend my time on which technically are probably classed as work don't feel like work because Mm. I get so much joy and energy from them.
0: I'm going to use that to Connected to the next question, it feels like you need to have a lot of confidence to make those decisions, mm. to to go against the the common thread that you need to work hard, and and so um, it's a part a two part question. The first part is what is confidence for you, mm-hmm. and the second one is what is a role that it has played on this path and all the achievements that you've mentioned.
1: Mm, good question. So. I think confidence is about trusting yourself and then in turn being able to convince other people to trust you as well. And I think, you know, unfortunately, it's it's not really enough to be kind and interesting on the inside. It's like we need to know how to share our, what's inside with the world. We need to know how to make our Talents and our skills active in the real world, and I think confidence is what does that. It translates the theory into practice. it's the It's the link in the bridge between a thought and an action. And if I think about, you know, of course, these things always look nice and neat in hindsight, none of it felt nice and neat at the time. Um, <laughs> but there's definitely a red thread of being very biased towards action. You know, I'm a big believer in doing, not talking, experimenting, trying things. And, you know, right now I've just leaped into a new experiment, which definitely, you know, doesn't feel clean and linear. So that's about, you know, tr- I'm trusting myself, um, coming back to that confidence point mm-hmm. again. And I think it, it's played a huge role for me. I mean, not just because I now run a business up front that's focused on confidence, but because of a few other things. So one thing is that I had a really stable upbringing, which all the studies around confidence show that's one of the most fundamental indicators of confidence. And yes, you know, I grew up in a fairly deprived area of Scotland, but I had a very happy, healthy childhood where we could afford luxuries and there was very little stress and very little instability. So I had a really good foundation there. The second thing is I'm super fortunate that my personality type really matches the type of confidence that society is most comfortable with. So by that, I mean, like, I'm extroverted, I'm bouncy, I'm opinionated. And for a lot of society, that's what they associate confidence with. And you know I'm the first to say I think that's really flawed that's one of the reasons I sit, I created up front because I think that has to change so that we start to see a different type of confidence and a different type of of power but when you combine that with the fact that I'm white and able-bodied it means that the world is has been fairly accepting of my ideas and my opinions and my stories you know in a way that um It wouldn't have been as easy for for others. Uh, And I I think the last thing is that I was really lucky to find, you know, some people call it your why, your purpose, your fire, like whatever we want to call it. I was really lucky that I found that when I was young, like probably when I was like 13, 14, because I had an amazing art teacher called Mr. Grant, who is a total legend. Um, But he... He made me believe that I could be a designer. Like, I remember that day super clearly when he showed me a TV remote control that had been redesigned for somebody with arthritis. And that just blew my mind. Like, ever since that day, I've been absolutely hooked on how do we use design and creativity to tackle problems. So this meant that from a really young age, I was utterly convinced and passionate about a discipline or, like, a subject area. And a lot of the data around confidence shows us that that's a big part of it, like this feeling of knowing your stuff, the sense of having knowledge and having, uh, what's the right word, like feeling really, uh, really trusting how much you know about the subject you're talking about. And that means that you're then comfortable with the stories and ideas you're expressing, which of course is another big factor in confidence. So, I think those three things are are kind of my confidence pillars, if you like, that have have played a big part in my
0: past. So as you were um, speaking, I was thinking of a few words. So it seems like confidence is dependent on your context, where you were born or where you are right now, Mm -hmm. Um, on your personality and how that fits with society and society's ideas of Mm -hmm. what confidence means. And just having a, a clear purpose and, um, I think you said it very well, knowing your stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess the, the path to knowing your stuff sometimes is difficult, mm-hmm. um, Painful. <laughs> absolutely painful. Yes. <laughs> um, and th- this podcast is, is a lot about that, um, A lot about um constantly getting outside of your comfort zone um and learning new stuff and maybe confidence isn't required to go through this journey maybe it's something you acquire after the journey Mm. or i think you i think you acquire it along the way
1: right and it's this um you know that if we think about knowing your stuff like it's never done you never know all the stuff like if one day i woke up and thought well, I'm done now. I know it all. Then I, that would be a massive red flag
0: for me. I think that's that's very important. Uh, mm-hmm. What you just said, yeah, it's not this this state of knowing your stuff. It's not something you achieve ever, right? It's it's constant. We're constantly getting there and never achieving it.
1: Yeah, but but I think you know a I, I, a nice way to think about it is you know we've all sat through presentations where somebody was presenting slides or work that wasn't theirs mm-hmm. and you can tell like you just you can feel that that conviction and energy and potentially knowledge isn't isn't there which means that that person feels like they can't trust themselves therefore seems to have low confidence therefore the knock-on effect is the audience doesn't trust them either and i think that's a good example of you know compare that to somebody who stands up and talks about the spaghetti bolognese recipe that they've been making for the last 25 years and they know inside out it would feel
0: very different and I think we're already talking about it but what is the connection you see between confidence and learning how we've talked about confidence coming before Mm -hmm. uh, during and after (laughs) what is what is your take
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. And when you ask it, the immediate thing I think is well, obviously, the more you learn, the more confident you'll feel. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's a big tension there because we know. So there's a there's a thing called the Dunning Kruger effect, and which, and the studies around that show that the more you're aware of what you don't know the more you doubt your competency, like the more you doubt yourself. And that means that some of the smartest people in the world have the lowest confidence. And it means that some of the people in the world with with very low competence have high confidence. So I think that's a really important thing to just know. Like I wish somebody told me that 10 years ago. Um, Because, you know, we've all met people who are, you know feel overly confident and actually usually the case is they are lacking competency or they're making up for a gap or a weakness that they don't want people to see and I think if I reflect on my personal relationship with how I learn stuff and what that means for my confidence I think it's I think the way that I like to learn and the way I'm good at learning is seeing everything as an experiment and a lot of this comes from my design background is this notion of you know prototyping behaviors prototyping processes testing and playing and exploring with new ways of doing and being and and seeing things and that means that uh when you work that way you get comfortable with making mistakes and you get comfortable with not knowing the answer because you try a thing you learn from it and then you try again and I feel like learning that way as a confidence booster because what it does is it it means that you can't be a perfectionist it forces you to to constantly ship and act even when you're scared of it not working and for me that's where the most exciting or meaningful learning happens
0: there's also an element of trust right as Uh you were saying before um to to live and work and learn like that um you, you need to trust that you'll figure it out even if it doesn't work out the first time or the second time you will you'll get there eventually um so maybe that, that it's related to that for sure and i think it's if you're if you're faced with something
1: and you think gosh there's no way i just don't trust myself then it's a bit like a it's like a, if you imagine it's a cookie like you just break you ba- you break bits off of the cookie over and over again until you're left with a bit of the cookie that you feel safe to eat and you feel safe to safe to try um so you you almost design the thing that you want to learn or the experiment you want to play with and get it into a shape and a form that you feel comfortable with and you know as you practice your cookie will get bigger and bigger, and then over time, you're able to take much bigger leaps and risks than you were before,
0: and maybe share the cookie with someone. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I didn't uh, plan the cookie analogy. I hope. Yeah, I think it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it does. Yes. Um, I don't know if this is the right expression to use right now. But it's more like not biting biting too much. How, what's
1: the? Uh, yeah. Like don't. Um baiting off more than you can chew
0: yeah and, yeah and maybe it's fine to not be able to chew the whole thing at once <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a bit like that yeah so you already mentioned uh, how being a designer helps you uh, with with the confidence and learning mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about Upfront mm-hmm. and the question the lead, the the leading question to that topic is can confidence be learned and how do you do that mm, i love that question and the answer is simple for me it's like
1: 100% yes like confidence is not innate it's not a thing that you're born with it's a skill that you learn and you learn you learn it by doing it's like cooking or dancing it takes patience and love and practice but everybody can everybody can learn it and You know, that that question really is the core of what Upfront is about because our mission is is to change confidence, to be something that moves away from its current state in the world, which is, you know, something that if you look at books and talks and materials and programs that exist in the world around confidence, most of them are designed by men, most of them are delivered by men many of them have a kind of aggressive American style of you know stand this way wear this these types of clothes do this certain thing with your voice that feels very scripted you know there's there's Mm -hmm. a sense of like here you know there are 20 golden rules and if you follow them you will feel confident and that that is bullshit that's not how it works I think you know up front is starting a whole new conversation about confidence that is about you are exactly good enough as you are and it's about kindness and power and as you say generosity sharing your cookie with somebody else and using your voice to lift others up and and using your your voice to shine a light on the the stories and the problems and the people in the world that need to be that need to be seen and need to be and need to be lifted. So Upfront has got two parts. One, which is where it's initially came from, was very focused on traditional public speaking, like the speakers that we see on a stage when we go to a conference. And I realized that, you know, there is a a massive very complex problem around why most of the people we see in that position are white, middle-aged privileged men and I realized that one of the barriers as to why we don't see a more representative group of people on the stage is because standing up on a physically raised platform is super scary for people And you don't get to practice it. It's like the first time you're stood up there with people looking at you is the very first time you've ever done it before. So the upfront couch is a way to dip your toe in the water. It's a way to experience the other side of the stage in complete safety. So you get 100% spotlight and 0% anxiety because you don't talk at any point. You just get to sit there on the couch, chill out, get used to the environment, The speaker does all the work. They introduce you. They tell the audience why you're there. And again, this started out as a bit of a wild thought experiment. And after Mm -hmm. trying it, you know, we got such powerful feedback. And now we've had over 500 people sit on the couch at events all Mm -hmm. over the world. And we've got data because people fill in a, you know, they answer some questions and fill in a form before they sit on the couch and after. So we now know that by just by sitting there you're 30% more likely to speak at an event yourself one day and you feel 90% more confident than you did before you sat there and what happened was people would sit on the couch and be like oh my goodness that was amazing what happens now like you've convinced me have you got a book I can buy or a podcast I can listen to and I was like I have neither of those things Uh, so I created a workshop because that was what people were asking for. They wanted a kind of offline cohort activity to, to continue this learning. So now we run workshops for the public where anybody can come along and buy a ticket. And we also won, run workshops for for our organizations. And, you know, the feedback that we get from those days is incredibly powerful. Um, people tell us that these days change their life. And, you know, I I don't say that Phrase lightly that is the that is feedback that we've had and it's it's very humbling running the workshop is 100% one of my most favorite things in the world to do because I am also learning and unlearning all this stuff all the time because a big part of what the workshop is about is educating women in particular that this feeling of oh, I'm not confident enough, and I need to be more this or be less that, is is not our fault. It's not your fault that you feel that way. It's because you've grown up in a patriarchal society, where the people on stages and in power don't look and sound like you. Mm-hmm. So you were constantly given messages to be small, be quiet, to take up less space, to stay in the background. And therefore, when we go against those things, when we think about standing on a stage or we think about writing in public or we think about making ourselves visible, it feels really scary because we didn't grow up seeing lots of people who look and sound like us doing those things. And of course, the more layers of intersectionality you put on that, the more, the more difficult it is, You know, whether that's race or sexuality or economic background. All of those things play a factor. So that's one of the big takeaways from our sessions is understanding that feeling like you lack confidence is in no way your fault. It's a symptom of the environment that we live in.
0: I'm I'm really inspired by, well, not, not just the numbers, but specifically from this uh, conversation, like 30% more likely to be on stage. That's incredible. <laughs> It's yeah. it's very scary to be on stage. I've had the the wonderful opportunity to speak at a few conferences, and it is scary. Mm. I, I do enjoy it, but it's it's very scary. And it's amazing how something so simple as just being there. Yeah, well, it's
1: you know, it's like learning to learning to swim. Right, first you dip your toes in, and then you blow some bubbles, and then you do some splashes. It's it's ba- it's baby steps, and I think. Often what the experience does for people is it helps them helps them realise that their voice, their voice is ready and their voice is good enough and there's people in the world waiting to hear from them. Often people will go and start their own blog or they'll... I got a message from somebody yesterday who went on a creative writing course and she started writing short stories and she stood up in the course and shared her short story with the rest of the team and she said... You know, I would never even have gone on that course if it hadn't been for the workshop. So I think it can unlock something in women where they realize that they previously they had been waiting. It's like, oh, I have to wait until I know enough or wait until I'm thinner or wait until I get this promotion or wait until I have a baby or whatever the thing is. And my message is always, you, you must stop waiting. You will never feel ready. It will never feel not scary. The trick is, it's doing it anyway. And, you know, we're building, we're building an army. We're building a, a community of, you know, there's hundreds of women now who have been through the programme and sat on the couch. And there's a lot of, kind of mutual support and cheerleading there, which is really lovely to witness.
0: So for the ones that are tired of waiting, (laughs) how can someone work on improving their confidence? Yeah, it's it's a good question.
1: And I think, you know, my first answer to that is always kind of what we've already touched on, on like understanding where low confidence comes from. And it's, you know, if you don't fit that mold of what we've always been told confidence looks like, then you're going to be constantly given messages from the world that will make you doubt yourself. You're constantly being given reasons to question if you belong in the room that you're in. So it's about, like, imagine how differently you'd feel if every time you opened a newspaper or turned on the radio or went to an event, you saw somebody who looked and sounded like you. So I think just kind of sitting with that and reflecting on that first, firstly. And then... I think it's, uh, another thing is to recognize that the confidence that you're searching for or you'd like to have is already there. It's already in you. It probably just reveals itself in different situations. Maybe when you're with your oldest school friend or you're you're out for lunch with work colleagues or you're relaxing by a pool on holiday, like situations that you're in where you lose all your self-consciousness and you move with grace and you contribute without a second thought and you don't overanalyze and you don't feel self-conscious it's like appreciating that yeah you you already do all those things it's about learning how to bring that version of yourself into different contexts whether that's a boardroom or the school gates or a stage conference or whatever it might be and I think the way to the way to learn that is to start to become, I would say like become a hunter hunter and gatherer of confidence. Mm-hmm. Like watch people, connect with people who, are, who you feel are genuinely confident, who have confidence in a way that makes you feel appreciated or warm or connected to them. Like people who are genuinely being themselves. And like, yeah, that's might be the person that turns up at a conference in Dungarees who knows but you know there is no there's no formula for what that person looks or sounds like but once you start noticing you'll see it everywhere and then you can beg borrow and steal the bits of what you see that you think might work for you and you just you find your own version you just find your own version of what confidence means for you in your day to day in your life and it's it's not something that you're going to find from anywhere else or something that anybody else will give you but you'll you'll figure it out by
0: trial and error that learning thing it's back to learning again I think what what you said is important this this part that there's no formula like mm-hmm. you don't need to follow any blueprint from someone else mm-hmm. um, and maybe your confidence is quiet absolutely um, yeah and sometimes just not not saying anything you need sometimes some confidence to just not say anything (laughs) oh 100 like often
1: often the most powerful person in a room will be the the most silent you know there's like amazing examples there's this amazing clip of michael jackson i mean yes obviously this is an extreme example (laughs) but he walks out onto the stage and just does this like epic power pose and doesn't move. He's just staring into the distance for like seven minutes or something ridiculous. And the whole like people are like losing their shit left, right, and center. They're so excited, and he's just standing there. But in his in his stance and his posture, there is such conviction and and strength and power. And I think there's so much in recognizing that you're right. Silence, quietness, pace. Like one of the most common things I work on with the women we work on up front is is pace because so often we're like, Oh my goodness, I need to get out of this situation, so I'm gonna speak as fast as I possibly can and then just tailor off and that's me done by you know and it it's like yep. <laughs> painful to it's painful to be in that experience and it's painful to listen or watch or be around somebody who is who is rushing. To get away from attention or rushing to get away from spotlight, and again, it comes with practice and it comes with breathing. Actually, a huge part of it is is using your breath to just tell your body that there's no tigers around and that you're safe and you'll be okay. So, you know, if anybody's listening is into yoga, Pilates, yeah, anything like that, that's the stuff to really double down on when you're when you're in situations where you feel like. Your body's starting to react to low confidence.
0: Do you have any examples of like interesting, inspiring processes that you've seen people go through from maybe rushing to get away from the stage to actually being on stage or in a meeting or whatever the the example is with that confidence? yeah so that's that
1: journey is we we do a mini version of that in our in our workshop so at the you know at the at the start of the session there's often a lot of you know eyes on the floor and feet turned in and a lot of you know because our bodies we tell a confident story to the world through our bodies and if you this is particularly relevant if you've grown up as a woman where you're often made to feel like you have to shrink yourself. You know, you might hunch your shoulders or have your feet turned in the way and lower your head and all of that is telling yourself and everybody around about you, I don't trust myself, I don't feel like I belong here. And even, you know, we, we do a whole exercise around moving through a room or a physical space without looking at the ground. And that can be really hard because so many of us are used to walking with our eyes down to avoid eye contact, to avoid attention, to avoid being asked a question, whatever it might be. And just that very simple act of raising your eyes, you know, you don't need to look at the ground. It's the same ground you've walked on since you were born. It's not going to it's not going to disappear, you know unless you're near some manholes or going to trip over some cables you genuinely most of the time don't need to look at the ground and that's something that you can just practice as you as you get the walk to the bus stop in the morning or you know go through your go through your commutes practice looking looking ahead and looking into the distance and it's also something to study and note how other people do that and all of that's given your body a sign that you're safe and you're okay and there's no tigers and it, it doesn't need to, you know, send you unhelpful hormones that make you start to shake or blush or do all those nasty things that don't feel good.
0: This this is a lot of work. Working on your confidence is a lot of work. Just like learning is a lot of work and it, it feels like it's never done. And that sometimes can be scary and daunting. Mm-hmm. How, how, which, which strategies have you found to make that less so? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I think, you know, no
1: matter what the thing is that you're trying to learn, I think it's a big part of it's about mindset. So rather than it like, oh, I need to, I need to learn this thing. It's like changing, instead of saying need, reframing it as like, oh, I get the opportunity to learn this new thing. So there's something there about language and how you kind of frame it as positive. Another thing I think is like self-compassion, you know, learning to be kind to yourself as you make progress, like recognizing that it's not linear, it's not clean, it's not easy, and that's totally okay. It's part of the process. And I think things you can do to make that feel less, scary or isolating is to like buddy up find a find a buddy maybe at work or Mm. find a friend who wants to learn the same thing as you find an accountability partner that's something I've done in the past which was super useful somebody where it is it is their job to phone you every Thursday at 5 p.m and say did you do the thing you said you were going to do and then think about like how How can you do all that in the open in a way that will like invite other people in to find you? Like I imagine, you know, you're you're taking a leap putting this podcast into the world. And I know for sure that other people who are super excited and inspired about learning design and facilitation and the craft of that are going to want to talk to you more. They're going to want to connect with you, they're going to want to hang out with you. They're going to want to ask you questions. And like that, that is only possible. Because you have taken that leap, because you've created something and you've put it into the world, so it's like how do you how do you learn in the open? So that might that might be through a podcast. It might be by going to events. it might be simply through Twitter or blogging or writing in your sketchbook and then putting photographs of your sketchbook on Instagram. Like I think learning in the open is a is an amazing way to find like-minded people and then support others who are interested in the same things as you. And I always say to people, like, even if the thing you're learning is super obscure, like I'm going to learn how to brew my own beer. Actually, that's not that obscure, but (laughs) it's something I would never do. Um, You know, there will be like 200 other people who are also really excited about learning how to brew their own beer. And then you can you can connect with them and kind of go through that process together and it it's just more fun for everybody I think
0: yeah and I can say that it is true um in my case since I've started this podcast I've received so many messages from people
1: Yay! um, that makes me so happy a real life case study
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it it is and it's super exciting it's it it is one of the things that keeps me going of course um, of course yeah especially when you're super busy with other projects and you're like no but someone else out there is expecting uh, a, an episode and someone yeah. else for example just yeah. while i was waiting for you i took a picture and posted it on on instagram and a friend of mine replied saying i i said i'm waiting for the new guest and he replied and we are waiting for the 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 episode and so, yeah i love that <laughs>
1: And it's that, you know, what you're sharing just reminds me of this notion of, like, it's so important to, like, if you're getting value out of, whether it's a podcast or somebody you follow on Instagram or a tweet you've read, like, always tell the person. Like, even if you think, oh, that person doesn't care or they're super busy or they get, I'm sure they get lots of people saying thank you or they'll think that I'm weird or any other kind of, Overthinking, you might be doing around it. Like, just do it because I know, for me, same as you, Sarah. Like, those messages really do motivate me so much. Like, they really do keep. You know, they make me want to keep going because I know that that what I'm doing is adding value to people. So, I think everybody who listens to that podcast, this podcast, should send Sarah a message telling her one thing that they love about (laughs) it. I think that would be great.
0: I agree. I want feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question for you is the one that I'm asking all the guests on this podcast. And that is what is learning for you? Oh. Mm. Oh,
1: it's a big, I mean, in one hand, I feel like, gosh, that's like a PhD level question. <laughs> and then on the other hand, I think it's, it's just like it's the only way like it's the only way to progress for me it's uh it's constant and it's progress
0: thank you lauren i i think i heard um your uh baby boy uh, screaming or crying so i think he wants you
1: oh i think he was just uh saying hello to somebody down the stairs
0: uh okay. So I think,
1: uh, we're okay. I just didn't want to barge in and start singing wheels on the bus <laughs> to your listeners.
0: That would be fine, don't worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, also I guess just to say, you know, for anybody listening, connect, continue the conversation, super happy to take questions and and keep talking. And Sarah, anything I can do to support your journey of building your podcast, you know where I am.
0: Thank you so much, Lauren. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. If you want to get in touch with Lauren, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter. You'll find a link to her profiles and the references she makes on the episode on the show notes. I would also love to hear from you. And you can do that by going to anchor.fm slash learning-day and leave a voice message or reach out through the Instagram link on that page. If this episode was useful to you, consider subscribing to Learning Day on your podcast app and, as a little extra, share it with a friend. I don't know where this is going to take us, but I'm confident that we're going to learn something along the way. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Lauren is on a mission to democratize. Democratize.